You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Referral Mortgages and Blue Panda Realty, with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate in our nation's capital. Ooh. We're back. We're back. The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. We're mugged up. We're mugged up. Hey, it's get it. Feet up. Let's go. <laughs> yours today. My name is uh, my name's Paul Stevenson. I'm here with uh, David Warren and Gregory Campbell. And it's Friday. We're having a good day. We're having a good day. I am one of the uh, proud owners of Referral Mortgages here in Ottawa. I'm a mortgage agent. <laughs> and uh, David Warren is my business partner, also a mortgage agent. And we're here with Gregory Campbell today. He is a partner at Blue Panda. Gentlemen, how is the week? How are we doing? Amazing. Amazing. Fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. Great. Well, I'm Great. a little, uh, you know, I'm a little, uh, you know. A he, needs, he needs that North Brew coffee this morning. Don't forget <laughs> to use your uh, promo code podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, pretty happy about the, uh, the new mugs turned out really well, actually. We got, um, we got our friends over at Printwell. Correct. Mm-hmm. Before, I start, uh, before I start picking them up here. Uh, friends over at Printwell did our mugs. They're looking nice. We got uh, North Brew as a partner, briefly. We'll just mention that. Uh, so anyone who's watching, you want to get some coffee for the weekend? For next weekend, probably? They'll drop it off. No delivery charge. Get your, uh, get your discount code. Uh, just type in podcast and get your 20% off. Thanks to us. So, and gents, last week, was, uh, last week was a wild episode. You know, we were talking about uh, some of the stuff going on in the market, some of the stuff that you've been seeing, Greg, as far as multi or uh, sorry, double ending and uh, some of that chaos. And we got some very interesting uh, feedback and comments and people interacting with the video last week on YouTube. It's clearly not uh, not an anomaly. You know, it seems to be happening uh, quite frequently. And uh, I just, you know, we'll, we'll bring it up and we'll, we'll go over the comment. But I think it's worth noting that, you know, in any industry, there's going to be outliers and there's going to be things that happen that are you know, unethical and so on, but that that's with every industry, right? I mean, that's not, uh, that's not everyone. And I don't want people to be nervous about getting into the, you know, home buying process or anything because of these stories. Um, but you know, the, the stuff always comes out and, um, should I read this out? Go ahead. So no, go ahead, David. What were you going to say? No, 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 go for it. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, this, this gentleman that, that posted, he, uh, you know, first time home buyer, which is especially, um, you know, upsetting, I guess, if you will, on, on that he's had got, gone through this experience, but, uh, anyways, go for it. Paul, read it through. So it says, uh, same tactics seem to be used by agents in Ontario and Quebec. It says the Ontario agent I was dealing with intentionally submitted my bid late as he was upset. I was not increasing my offer by at least $50,000 above asking. He claimed there were many bidders in the end. It was just one other offer, which one and an offer amount, just 5,000 above asking disappointed as I could have only afforded 10,000 above asking. And I could have won. The second scenario was months later with a Quebec agent who told me decisively on the phone that he would not represent me unless I offered at least 40,000 above asking because there were allegedly 20 other bids received. He then said, he'll give me a call back after speaking with the selling agent. He called me back and it was high pressure as he claimed he had appointments as (laughs) he claimed he had appointments. So he needed to submit my offer two hours in advance of the deadline. I nervously said, okay, literally half an hour later, I got a call saying the offer was accepted. I felt rushed and rattled as the guy was a bully. It, I felt something was very wrong and walked away. 
The guy left a voicemail threatening to sue me. My mortgage broker actually said that I was exper- what I experienced was unacceptable. I'm so turned off as a first-time homebuyer, as this occurred in 2019 and 2020, and now prices are truly bonkers. That's a horrible end, end quote. End quote. Yeah. That's a horrible experience. Like, why would you ever want to get work with any realtor after that? I, I, I think that goes though to number one, easy solution. Call Mr. Gregory Campbell, you know, uh, ethics through the roof. Uh, but, 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 but truly, you know, I think the, and I know Greg, you say it all the time of interview who you're going to work with interview of, you know, I, I've heard you say it before to clients and, and on this, you know, interview two, three realtors to get a feel of whether you like, whether you get along with them, what their ethics are like, their yeah. approach to business. Um, and I think that's vitally important. And, and, you know, unfortunately, this gentleman had, you know, two situations that were uh, extremely unfortunate. It's really a shame to hear. These yeah. guys, these agents that are doing this are going to be left in the dust when things change. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do because they're not going to have people who are going to be ready to even like, clearly there's people that they're pressuring into doing that and it's working for them, um, which is terrible. And then, uh, you know, what do they, what do they do when the market changes and people are throwing money around like that? You know, I, I, I think it also speaks to, um, working with realtors, you know, a professional that does this day in and day out and not somebody that's doing, one to five transactions a year that is desperate for that business because those are the people that are going to cut corners that are going to pressure you. And that pressure comes from them being in a fully commissioned business that are desperate for that income. Um, and I, I feel that, the, you know, and, and on the brokering side, we have part-time mortgage agents that there's a lot of banks and brokers that won't take them on because they're, you know, those people that aren't doing volume or, or doing it part-time are the ones that are cutting corners or, uh, or, you know, doing something, you know, that are, are more prone to fraudulent, uh, fraudulent documents or things like that. So I think that kind of goes to interviewing who you're working with and working with somebody that does this on a full-time basis and, and at a proper level. Back. I agree. Sorry, I almost died there. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you guys still hear me okay? Yep. Just, just coffee just went down the wrong way. I mean, what can I say? Um, <laughs> so, Greg, <laughs> just to, uh, you know, this something we kind of t- preached. Well, something we touched on before getting on air. I'm just off the rails right now. Um, something we touched on before going on air. I just wanted to, we, we've been hearing a lot of uh, questions from clients recently, just asking us about uh, agents and, and literally exactly that, like efficacy should be work, be working with an agent. Should we be looking on our own? Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions too, that first time buyers think that they're going to be paying you an, a, a, an absorbent fee just to actually work with you. Uh, so I feel like it might be worthwhile just, you know, from a very high level, like just starting from the beginning, like what is the difference between a buying and selling realtor? And what, what does a process look like for you? Like if you're, if you're actually, if client says, Hey, uh, we're a little nervous. We're thinking about getting into the market. Like what's, what's kind of that conversation look like and what's like, how do you start them down that road, you know, as opposed to these other uh, leeches of the market, you know? Well, I mean, this, the step for me is, you know, I kind of guide them through the process of how it works. Whenever I meet somebody, uh, they're a first time or what I do is I first off take all the agreements that they'll have to sign, whether immediately or eventually, Um, and we have all the legalese in regular kind of human terms. 
So I send it to all the, all the buyers or the sellers, if they're, if they're new to it and I make sure that they review it. Although of course they don't do it immediately. Um, <laughs> they usually wait until you see a few properties and then I'm, then they say, what's the next step? And I say, well, did you read the documents? And they're like, no, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, we're going to go over it. I'm like, but you know, read the documents, you know, alternatively, sometimes, um, depending on, on who it is and, and their, um, their, their capacity for fear or whatever, or, or knowledge. Um, I'll have, um, you know, like, um, what my colleague Nick Crouch will call a buyer intake call. And you'll go over, uh, the documents step-by-step, step, uh, on that first call. So that by the time they're ready to, ready to go, like they know exactly what they're getting into. Uh, it, you know, same thing on the seller side. I always talk about, uh, sorry, backtrack a bit here, uh, into your comment about, um, you know, double ending or representation. You know, I never, if I have a house for sale, I will never uh, agree to work with anyone coming in to buy it that calls me directly. I'll refer them to uh, to a colleague. Um, and we're definitely not, we don't do any commission reductions uh, or anything like that. It's straight off. Like if, if I have a property for sale, I have one coming up now. And I explained this to the sellers the other day. If anyone calls me directly and they say they want to work with me, they don't work with buyer agents. I say, well, then you, you're going to have to find a buyer agent because I, I will not work with you ethically. I, I don't do that. Um, you know, usually that, uh, it sorts it out pretty quick. I'll refer them to a colleague if they don't have someone else that they want to work with. Um, and on the, and on the buying side, you know, if anyone asks about paying, I always tell them, I say, no, you guys, uh, you're, you're good to go. The seller will pay me, uh, out of the total commission sale of the house. And, um, you know, I mean, I think a lot of buyers know that at this point with all the information that's out there. But, um, you know, and with the buyers, I say, you know, when they want to go shopping, I'm like, absolutely not. Not until you talk to, uh, to a broker. If you want to talk to one of my guys, great. If you have somebody else, get in touch with them. And um, once you're approved, give me their contact and I'll talk to them personally so that I know. I don't move until somebody's pre-approved, um, you know. And uh, yeah, I know we've talked about this on the show before. I just want to touch on that double ending because I think, uh, you know, people probably don't know. And I would assume like, we, well, you know, we're in the industry. So obviously we, we talk about this day in and day out, but I think the general public, if you're listing your home or if you're buying, you don't understand what the obligations are of that real estate agent that's representing the sellers, right? So if you see a home that you like and you, you know, you call the, the real estate agent that's listed on that listing, you know, if you're on realtor.ca and you're just browsing and you see a home you like, and you call the realtor that's listed there, their obligation is to represent the best interest of the sellers. So they can, what's the term, Greg, advise you? Or there's like a term? Uh... Yeah, like, so if, if uh, you, you know, at, at, a, at one point in time, you know, I would do, I would work with that and you'd sign what's called the customer service agreement as opposed to a representation agreement. Hmm. So if I'm, if I have a seller representation agreement, it means like I have the property for sale. Uh, someone would come in and they would want to offer on the home. You know, and you know, you go through the steps and, and they really want to do that with you. You sign a customer service agreement, which just is an agreement stating that you will do what they tell you to do and nothing more than that. You will say the house is listed at this price. I'll submit the offer for you. What would you like to submit it at? And that's the end of it. And then, you know, my obligations to the seller. So, but I don't even, I don't even go there because, uh, yeah, I just, I don't like doing it because, you know, in the past I found, I had a couple scenarios where even though in the end it worked out, I felt that the sellers were still um, not as comfortable as they would have been if someone else was representing the buyer. So yeah. that's why, that's why I don't do it anymore. You know? 
And I know Greg you, or Dave, you mentioned this last week that when that does happen, like when a property is double-ended by a realtor, it automatically right. triggers that that appraisal, right? Which is a and we actually had an appraiser on this week on our team call. We have, um, you know, our team has grown obviously a fair amount this year, and we like to every Thursday we have either a lender or or someone in the industry kind of come on and, and speak to the team about uh, you know what's happening and and you know just so everyone has a finger on the pulse. And uh, we had an appraiser in this week and he had some some very interesting kind of insights as to what's happening in the market and how they're having to appraise properties and so on. And he was actually saying, which Greg, this might be of interest to you. He was saying that the, you know, the, the amount of rooms in the house is actually not a top priority. He said the main thing is square footage. What was the order, David? Square footage, um, uh, well, land uh... size, lot size. Yeah. And, uh, and whether, and actually finished basements over unfinished and over and finished basement over rooms even, uh, or bathrooms. Uh, the reason for that he explained, which I, I thought was interesting because as far as I knew it, uh, or believed, uh, was that, it, you know, room count and bathroom count mattered, um, to his explanation that finishing a basement is that much more costly um, to finish a basement and adds true square footage to the home. Whereas, uh, bath or bedrooms are, are inexpensive to add if you're just adding a wall, uh, or a bathroom. So that, that I thought was, uh, was insightful and, and interesting on the flip side. The funny part is he was saying that, uh, you know, for your insurance company, that's the last thing they want to see is a finished basement. Uh, because that's where, or you know, cool. 80, he was saying 80% of the insurance claims are, are based on, you know, sewer backups or, or flooding or anything of that nature. But as well for, uh, as well for landscaping, he was commenting for those out there that are buying based on, you know, gorgeous land, you know, gorgeous backyard and pool and, and outdoor kitchen and whatnot. Those are all fantastic. And those are, you know, something that you can really enjoy with your family and get a lot of use out of and host friends and family and whatnot. But to the banks, they're actually, you know, they're actually just a liability. Um, you know, if you, if you neglect a, a pool for one single season, that pool is shot. Um, and, and costs a lot of money if the bank has to take over that property that they now need to rehab a pool or they need to fill it in. Uh, same being for an outdoor kitchen or something like that, which is great from a, from a, a buyer's want standpoint, but it, for the bank, it's actually just a costly liability on their books, uh, just from a maintenance standpoint, because banks always look at, you know, your, what the value of the home is today and you closing on it. But all they care about is you close today, you know, June 20, uh, June 4th, rather, if they, if you default on your mortgage today and they have to take it over the fifth, what is the cost of that property going to be? You know, what's, what are they, you know, is it marketable? Can they put it back on the market and cover their costs? Are they, how much in the hole are they going to be? Things like that. And so pools kind of play into that and, and other aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also, the, the thing, um, that, that he mentioned that was of interest to me too, is that, um, the, like he was talking about the bedrooms. Like if you're going to sell your home, if you have four bedrooms, for example, the right buyer is going to pay more for that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the home itself is, is more in value than someone who has the same square footage with maybe three bedrooms instead of four. You know, it's really that, that, that right buyer is going to pay a bit more for that than someone who only wants three but it doesn't actually increase the actual value of that property. The other thing he mentioned <clears throat> is that, and we kind of talked about this, Greg, with the, uh, with the builder lots is that, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that if they have a, an end, an end unit or a pie shaped lot or something like that, that these are huge advantages. And he said, oftentimes uh, as an appraiser, they look at that and, and, you know, it really is dependent on the buyer again, you know, you might get an end unit and 
people think that's excellent, but it's also noisier. It's, you know, if you don't have a fence, it's riskier. If you have children, like there's a lot of factors in there that it's still very specific to the buyer that's looking to buy that home that may pay a bit more, but the actual appraised value is not going to come in that maybe what you think it is. It might even be less than someone who has uh, a middle unit, you know, who has a finished basement or, or what have you. So there's just a lot of, I think, misconceptions out there of what, what creates value in the home. And uh, Sarah commented on this here, but the four main things were lot size, square footage, finishing. So finishings in the home and then the actual condition of the home itself. And he, and he actually said specifically, like, you know, if you have a beautiful, you know, brick and mortar home in 75 years, it's still going to be there. Whereas a pool, as Dave said, you let it go for one or two seasons your landscaping just went from 200,000 to zero, you know? <laughs> so it's actually a make work project now. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the sorts of things that, you know, there's kind of the understanding or, or uh, sorry, misunderstanding that, uh, that those sorts of things are, are really going to boost the value of the home. And we've been seeing it recently over the last year and a half that people have been dumping money into their landscaping and into their properties, mm-hmm. but just making sure that you're putting that money and like investing that money into the right areas. Right. Unless you're doing it for your own personal, as Dave said, like if you're looking to have that, beautiful backyard to entertain. And this is your, you know, the home you're going to be in for the next few years, then by all means, but if you're doing it to increase the value, it's definitely, you you know, you want to be doing the proper research and maybe even speak to an appraiser in advance to see how that's going to affect the future value of your property. And it, it affects the value in the sense of street value. So what, what, you know, a particular buyer that is interested in that property or loves the landscaping is going to be willing to pay because it's right for them. They were looking for a pool. They want that beautiful landscaping. They're willing to pay more for the property, but from an appraised value or the way the banks look at it, it's not necessarily adding, you know, actual value, if you will. Um, so there's the two aspects to it, but I want to kind of digress back to, you know, uh, Greg's comments about the uh, about on the realtor side, and 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 I know you kind of mentioned that a lot of people are aware of uh, of you know realtors costs or or commissions being covered by the sellers, and I think you know I know Paul and I have been doing a number of uh, of first time homebuyer webinars, and and a lot of them aren't aware uh, still that oh, yeah. the that the that the that the costs that the cost to a buyer, whether it's your first time home buyer, whether you're a repeat buyer, there's no cost to you for a realtor service uh, as a buyer. They're compensated by the sellers or for a mortgage broker. So when dealing with a mortgage professional, uh, we're compensated by the banks. There's no cost to you. Um, you know, we're compensated by the banks and it's pretty well, you know, uniformly across the board. Uh, we're, you know, we always say that we, we, you know, work with over 30 different banks uh, as, as mortgage professionals, but we're compensated pretty well uniformly across the board. Our biggest, we're, we're advocates for you and to walk you through the process to work with Greg, work with your lawyer to make it a seamless process. We focus on mortgages day in and day out and, uh, and we act in your best interest. We want to know what your goals are, your plans with your family, with the property. So we can also ensure that what you're getting into as a uh, mortgage product is best suited for you and the growth of your family. So you're not getting saddled with surprise penalties when you go to, you know, because you're a first time home buyer and you're thinking about maybe at, you know, having your first child in the next, you know, in the next two years and, and maybe you're in a one bedroom condo. Well, maybe you're going to want to grow to that. So we want to make sure that, you know, what you're getting into the penalties are, you know, be minimized or that you're going to have that flexibility to move that mortgage, things like that. So these are conversations we have as mortgage professionals. And, and I, and I truly believe that, you know, the bulk of, of uh, have these conversations, you're not necessarily going to have these with the bank. The bank is just going to ask you what your income is. Here you go. Away you go. Because they don't have other offerings or have other banks that they can compare to um, for those different options. 
So yeah, and the bank, like even you know, coming from a bank background myself, which you know some of our listeners may or may not know, but I worked at a, a major a major bank for uh, for about eight years, um, and I was doing a lot of these, and they were they were called rate holds, uh, and essentially, you know, you would just verbally say, "I make." You know, my wife and I make uh, eighty thousand dollars, and uh, we have a three hundred dollar car loan, and and that's it. You know, and then they basically just throw that stuff in the in the system, and it spits out a piece of paper that states, you know, well, you're pre approved up to four hundred fifty thousand. You know, and we'll we'll lock in a rate for you even for one hundred and twenty days, and then they go out with Greg with that piece of paper and and start putting offers on homes. And it's like, you know, it's like an insurance policy that's not underwritten up front. You know, you're you're getting this great coverage, but when it comes time for brass tacks, you know, you, you don't actually have what you think you do. So, mm-hmm. you know, when when we assess a client's file, we're actually looking at their credit, we're looking at their income, we're looking at their down payment, we're looking at the full package as if they're buying a home today. <clears throat> and that actually gives them something that's reliable to go out and start shopping, you know, so it's a different process. And we we oftentimes see clients that have been to the bank and have that rate hold that come to us afterwards, either through yourself, Greg, or, or you know, others in the industry, um, that say, you know, we were pre-approved at 500 and we went back to the bank and, you know, we hadn't mentioned my student loan or what have you. And now their pre-approval has dropped substantially and they, they need to, you know, be creative. And obviously, you know, we work with 30 different lenders. So we have lenders that are willing to accept, you know, higher kind of debt ratios and things like that at times. So, I mean, we have solutions for, for most of those cases. Um, but it's something that the banks, you know, as Dave mentioned, as, as specialists, I mean, we deal with this day in and day out. And when I was at the bank, I was very much a generalist. I was doing checking accounts, investments, lines of credit, everything, you know, like you're, you're, you're doing 20 different things in a day. We do one thing, you know, we're, we're kind of a one trick pony, but not, uh, we got lots of ponies in the stable, but they're all the same, you know? Uh, <laughs> we're, uh, yeah. So I, it's just, a, it's use, a different approach. I, I want to use one example of, uh, to your point, Paul of pulling credit. Cause you know, when we do a lot of these first time homebuyer webinars or talk to a lot of clients, they ask if we're going to pull their credit or, you know, worried about it. Um, we absolutely need to check your credit because it not only is you might have a, you might look on Borowell or Credit Karma and say, Oh, I have a 700. That's looking at a six and a 12 month history, a very recent history, but it's not looking at since you ever first got your very first credit card when you were 18. And so we we're actually seeing that full history and looking at that entire repayment history, which shows you a different scoring. But, um, so it's, it's, it's a much different, uh, look at credit, but, but to Paul's point of, you know, um, you know, going to a bank and, and, you know, a student loan comes up, they never mentioned or what have you. I have clients right now that, you know, they, in their eyes, uh, first time home buyers, the, you know, going through the pre-approval process, checking credit, the, the, the boyfriend had actually co-signed for the mother on her property and wasn't aware or didn't even realize, and it didn't even clue on clue in that this would be on his bureau, that this would count as a property that he'd owned or that he was not any further, any, uh, any longer a first time home buyer. And that we had to incorporate all of those payments, 100% of those payments into his qualifying ratios, um, which then led to him not getting the first time home buyer, you know, land transfer tax rebate and credit and all that. Uh, but also it, we, it meant we had to be very creative on his, on his application to qualify for their mortgage because of this extra, this other property. It never, it never 
occurred to him. And it happens a lot with parents as well. They've co-signed on student loans for their kids, you know, student line of credit that they forget about because it was signed 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, They don't realize that shows up on their bureau or they co-sign on one of their kids' mortgages, things like that. And so by checking credit, there's a lot of times that people forget that they, um, that it's even there. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of why we, we implore uh, people to, you know, Let's check it. Your credit score will rebound in you know a week to two weeks. It's really only a you know a minimal hit, anyways, and it's imperative so that you can go out shopping with uh, with your realtor. Stephen, do you want to bring up the uh, bring up our site quickly? I'll show you. This is this is kind of a a soft look at what basically what the bank would be offering you. So this is just our uh, our beautiful website here. Uh, if you go to resources and then uh, mortgage calculators, so this is kind of a five question. Uh, so if you go to the first one, I'm just getting started. How much can I afford? So you know, let's put in here. Let's do exactly what I just said. So let's put uh, you know eighty. Let's just put ninety thousand as a as a household income. So this is uh, you know ninety thousand, and then how much have you saved for down payment? Let's say you know fifty thousand dollars. Been saving for a few years. Then you go next. How much do you spend on monthly loan repayments? Uh, well, we do have that car loan, honey. You know, uh, two hundred eighty dollars. You know, you put that in. Great. Next. And then uh, what's your total amount of credit card debt? Oh, well, you know, I have a credit card. You have a credit card. We're talking, let's say, say $5,000. Great. And then um, how good's your credit bureau? I mean, that, that's such a general question, but let's just say good. You know, I have, I'm good. <laughs> let's get your results. There you go. So that's, that's essentially what the bank does for pre-approval. There you go. 438, start shopping. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is something we have as a, as a tool and just so that people actually can see ballpark what they have. But then you can see right below, we have the get pre-approved, like a true pre-approval where we're, we'll dig a bit more into the weeds. But that that's pretty much like, those are the questions that the bank's asking. That That's... Yeah. And that 230 is actually bi-weekly and not yeah. month, you know, and not monthly. And uh, credit is actually, yeah. you know, in, in the, uh, in the trash and you know, spouse, has a, spouse has a credit card. The other one doesn't know about for, uh, for shopping or you know. oh, the, yeah, the, 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 the statement that they hide every, they run to the, the uh, mailbox to hide, hide from their yeah. spouse every month. Well, yeah. and it's hilarious because sometimes I'll talk to people and they'll be like, I'm pre-approved for 800,000. And I'll be like, okay, great. I'm like, well, who are you working with? Can you put me in touch? Well, no, I've just been, that's just the average I've got from a few of the sites. I've just been putting in my information. I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, that's great. I go, but you need to get an approved. Well, I don't want to get get my credit bureau hit and everything. I'm like, well, I can't work with you until you go talk to somebody, Mm. (laughs) you know? And, uh, and, and there's a lot of people I wanted to ask you guys, like how, what percentage of the people who do use your mortgage calculator there, do you talk with who won't submit all their information or that you just don't hear back from at all? Mm. Paul, you'd maybe have that metric. I'm not sure. Yeah. Do you know the people that complete, I would say, I mean, most people that actually go like the people that just do that questionnaire that we just said that spit out that number, we don't actually see that. Like that's just a free calculator. If if they hit the get pre-approved, then those people are actually, you know, they're going through the pre-approval process. So at that point, we're talking to them. We're figuring out, you know, we're we're going to be setting up a call after that. You know, this is assuming they just went there blindly and started filling out numbers. Right. Um, but most people, you know, we're going to have that initial conversation first, and then we'll we'll kind of direct them to the right channels to to properly get their information. But to Dave's point about credit, I mean, the difference between as well, like working with with us over the bank, is that the bank. If you go to, you know, three different banks, or all all three of them are checking your credit. 
And that yeah. that could very easily negatively affect your your credit report, right? Because then you're you're deemed a credit seeker. You're just going anywhere you can to try to get credit, and that definitely hurts your your credit bureau. Um, whereas on our end, we do one credit check, and it's a it's kind of a blanket check, and all thirty of our lenders will accept it. So it's not like we're having to constantly hit your credit over and over again. It's it's a one and done. And um, yeah, it's just That's a, definitely a conversation that I have with a lot of people, and yeah. no no one knows that. And, and to your point, Greg, like somebody wanting to go out shopping for, you know, it doesn't matter what the purchase price is, 200,000, 800,000, 5 million. If you're worried about your credit being checked, why yeah. is that? Why are you out shopping for a home if you're primary, re, you're, you're, you know, you're that afraid <laughs> you of having your credit checked? Credit. Like yeah. if you don't yeah. want to be actually prepared yeah. to look at that home, you're actually just, you know, wasting everyone's time, including your own, yeah. um, you know, Get that, get, go through that entire process, know what your maximum buying power is so you can go out shopping with confidence. So, you know, it is a busy market, like we keep talking about. And so you, you're in a, the best position possible to put an offer in with Greg, with confidence. You know what your numbers are, you know what those mortgage payments are. You know, you might be qualified up to 500,000, but that also might not fit your budget. So we're going to give you that, you know, what the mortgage payments are and be able to work with you and, and go through that entire, all the steps through as you're shopping, give you feedback on what, you know, making sure the numbers work and, and through that entire process. So you're not, again, you're not wasting your own time. Even I, I think it's, I think it's absurd that somebody would be worried, you know, wanting to go look at an $800,000 home without even having a pre-approval without worried about having their credit check for a three point hit. You know, it's, uh, right. yeah. But Greg, you mentioned you had a few numbers before, uh, yeah. Yeah. Before um, we got on. So quickly, uh, last three days, 400 new listings across the city. Um, more like city central, mm. a little bit of rural, uh, 65 conditional sales. I thought that, wow. was, I thought that number was very Don't impressive. Clap. Very happy to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, quite a few price reductions on properties. Um, and the average from the, the average number that I just put, I plugged in today from condos, residential from 200,000 to two and a half million. Uh, the average is 645K list price, sale price 695K. So, and I mean, that could be, and that, you know, that's some home selling for less, that's some home selling for a lot more. But I think that number, I think that's a good sign that things are, uh, are slowing down a bit, which is, which is fine with me. I'm seeing it a lot. I think the lower end is going to get hit the worst right now. We're seeing price reductions and some of the lower end properties not selling for as much as they were even four weeks ago, um, especially with more coming on the market. Buyers are being a little bit more particular about what they do. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot more caution coming into play and there's also a lot of properties coming out that, uh, sellers are thinking that they're, that they still have a chance of getting these high numbers when their home isn't perfect and, uh, it's not going to happen. And what I'm doing now, I'm going back to the old, the old days, the old days when we used to do pre-inspections on our listings so that when someone comes to see the house, that there's a pre-inspection done, they can buy with confidence. Uh, you know, they, if they want to do a conditional sale and ask for a home inspection, they can, but we're going to have one, have one done. So any, any of my homes that you see that's older than five years for sale, there will be a pre-inspection and, uh, you will most awesome. likely find a home warranty as well, because that's something I think that, uh, I think we're going to, the market shifts, uh, to offer value to our sellers. We have to make sure the home is prepared for the buyers when they come in. That's a, that's a Gregory that's awesome. commitment right there. We need a stamp across the screen. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. 
<laughs> yeah, I, um, I, uh, I I spoke with a uh, one a realtor this week that uh, that has a number of listings up, and he was kind of commenting about the uh, the interesting conversations. You know that, that same sort of conversations you have, Greg, with your your listing clients of of setting that expectation. The market has shifted. You're not going to yeah. see as many uh, showings, and they you know, and it's a wide range of areas across the city that he's got a few listings, and uh, and I thought it was. Very poignant. He was talking about, you know, even properties in Orleans and, you know, Dunrob and this and that and, uh, and, and them not going as quickly as possible and it being, you know, a little more stressful on the seller, on the selling agent side, because you're, you know, you're trying yeah. to move these properties as well, but you also need to have these realistic expect or re- set these realistic expectations with your clients as well on the, on the listing the, side. And, the, and conversations, important. the conversations I'm having now with sellers is, uh, it's wild. Like it's very, like you have to be very, very clear. And I, I had a conversation with an agent yesterday. Uh, we were saying like, you know, that listing you got, it's not sold. He's like, I know. And then we were just saying, we're so used to having home sell in five days. Mm-hmm. And that sixth, seventh day, you're just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, you're like, what? And, it, and we were laughing going like, like we're, it's ridiculous that we're having this conversation, basically saying like, it used to be 30 days, 30 days was like an average listing. No problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but, but you know, the sellers are expecting it too. So, you know, but now the conversation is like, I got this new listing coming up in Orleans, amazing house, brand new, tons of upgrades. You know, I know what they want. Um, we know what the comps are, but I, I told him, you know, what do you think? And I said, I'm going to be, be honest with you. Like I'm seeing a lot of changes. So do I think your house is worth this much? 100%. Do I think we're going to get it? I think we are. Can I guarantee it? Like, there's no way I go, you know, if we list at this price, you might just get that price. So then, so then the decision is, do you list a, a lower in hopes that you're still going to get multiples, multiple offers, or do you just list high at market value and let it sit? But we're also seeing a trend where that idea is not working in the lower end. So some properties are listing a hundred thousand less than what they're truly valued at now. Mm-hmm. And it's back to it's back to January prices. The, the is- moral of the story is listen to Toe Rep. And when Greg says to list, <laughs> list. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's still a good time to sell. There's buyers out, but you just gotta be you're you're just gonna have to be more patient, I think, unless your home is absolutely exceptional. You know, you got a face off my coffee mug. Don't let an agent come in. And if someone comes in and tells you they're going to, you're going to get this much money, I would go and try to talk to somebody else to get a second opinion. I I think it's guaranteed. I think that's, uh, I think that that's a a great, get a second opinion. Same to that guy, that guy in the comments on, on, you you know, the post on the YouTube interview, interview realtors, get a second opinion. Don't feel pressured into, you know, purchasing any home and, uh, and be patient. I mean, the market changes week over week and, uh, and speak to somebody that that is in the market on a regular basis. But, yeah. Um, I think, uh, should we get into the mood boost? You're damn right. We should. I, I need, got, I, need, uh, I got some good ones today. Boost. What's that, Greg? I need a mood boost. <laughs> Here we go. Mood boost, booster juice. We're going number one. I got three today. Number one. A guy walks up to the widow at her husband's funeral and says, may I just say one word? Sure, the widow replies. Plethora. The widow says, thanks. That means a lot. (laughs) Uh, Number two. You know, people say they pick their nose, but I feel like I was just born with mine. 
<laughs> Last but not least, my personal favorite. Why did the cows return to the marijuana field? It was the pot calling the cattle back. <laughs> that's that's nice. That Those were good. Those were good this week. I like three it. Three for three. Three for yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Before I forget, um, uh, some people, some of the listeners don't know this, but I, I'm a music person. I do music and uh, a new song. I just, uh, I put out a new song the other day and it's pretty hot. And it was on the radio on live 88.5 in Ottawa the other night. Can we, are we yeah, able, we, we, cool. we must have rights. We can air it. Can we play it? Yeah. Well, you can put, put the link in the, put the link in the notes so people can click to it. Yeah, it's a track I did years ago and I never finished it, but now it's done. And now that I'm getting a lot of traction with it and people like it, I'm thinking I need to finish more of those unfinished it, songs. It, it, it honestly might be one of my favorite songs of yours. Thanks. <laughs> why don't Thanks. we, why don't we yeah. sign off and then literally play it at the end of the episode? Is I like not, it. Can we do that? Oh yeah. For the, for the, re- yeah, for YouTube, yeah, just definitely. as like, you know, we'll yeah. just, yeah. we'll leave it for the fans to listen to when we on the, on the outro and, uh, right. Steven, is that possible? It. Rocco. Yeah, just keep uh, keep talking for like a minute while I uh, do that. <laughs> <laughs> we, like throw, we like to throw I don't know if, he, if he can do it now. I was just going to say I could send it to him and he can add it to the end of the YouTube release. Well, right? it's we'll, available. Play, we'll play it here for the people who want to hang around and uh, we'll put the link in the, uh, just, the description. Just like Torup, it's available on all streaming platforms. Apple, Correct. Spotify, whatever it may be. Amazon, Tidal. Yeah, it was interesting actually. I, I searched it the other day and Amazon was the first one that came up. That kind of surprised me. Mm. This goes to show you how powerful Prime, Prime Music is, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, the mugs are in, as everyone saw. The mugs are in. So anyone who's still tuning in, if you guys want a mug, let Get us know. Yeah, there's limited, limited supply. We'll, limited we'll, drop supply. Them off. we'll drop them off. We're, we're mobile. Yeah, and I would say, let's do this. Anyone who, who places an order on North Brew uses the code word podcast We'll give you two mugs. <laughs> we'll deliver. We'll deliver That's, two mugs. You know, you can make a nice, uh, nice French press next week. Have a delicious cup of coffee for you and your spouse. You and your, you and your partner. Your partner. Yeah. Tore up. And if wants a mug, we'll we'll get you a mug. And if you definitely, uh, I could probably pop one to you today, buddy. And if deserves a couple. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Maybe a whole truckload. <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, we have we have an order of mugs going to happen here. He's gonna start a he's gonna start a toe rep shop and just <laughs> yeah be selling toe right. rep mugs. How we uh, we we good on the uh, we tuned up. So the, so the name of the project is uh, for everyone listening is Pump Action and the song's called I'm Gonna Love You. It's basically some <laughs> rock and ro- crazy rock and roll action here. First rock and roll track from you. It is. It is my first true rock and roll track. And everybody's, uh, I've been sending it to people. They're like, who's the singer? And I'm like, it's me singing. <laughs> they're like, what? I literally, I listened yeah. to it again this morning and it took me a bit to like, at first, you actually you have imagine to imagine me listening to, to you <laughs> singing it. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, do That's you want to awesome. do your best, uh, like radio DJ intro for this song? And then we'll take it to black. Yeah. And then we can sign off and we'll just let it run. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up now live on toll rep, it's pump action with their new hit single. I'm going to love you. The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Referral Mortgages, Blue Panda Realty, and Stephen Hopkins Video. 
Thanks for tuning in. And please remember to like, comment, share, and most importantly, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.